COVID-19. Oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. An even dozen. It is episode 12 of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Ken Dworsnik and Ted Klopp and Ken, I can't believe this is three months old. I'm having a hard time believing that. And also, next week, it's hard for me to believe that I will be compared to a baker. Because next week will be a baker's dozen. A baker? I hardly know her. If you'd like to connect with us on social media... Our Facebook page, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Our Twitter, at 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E, at Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. And, of course, we are on lots of different podcast outlets, SoundCloud, Anchor, Breaker, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Now, Ken, I found something out this week that I was very excited about. This is exciting. I discovered that there's another way for you or anybody to listen to us. Give this a listen. Alexa, play Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland on Apple Podcasts. Playing Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland from Apple Podcasts. We've arrived, sir. Oh, Alexa. Alexa. You had me at hello. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting. I'll tell you how exciting it is. Now my kids can listen to the show anytime. It drives my wife nuts. Well, we got to continue to keep it clean so the young yes. ones can listen. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can have an unedited version at a later date, I guess. That's so. right. Ted, I, I know there's many people out there that have listened to the show that wanted to contact us. Obviously, you could contact us through Facebook and Twitter. But you can also leave a voicemail. Mm. Did you know this? Now, well, I must aside say, from the I, fact that I set it up, no, I didn't know that. Now, I must say, I think some of these voicemails came in about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. So uh-huh. this should be, uh, should be really good stuff. But uh, if you have a question, you go to anchor.fm backslash 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E. And there's a link right there, a little plus sign with the word message. Click on that and you can leave a message. You mentioned that these came in late at night, early in the morning. This happened to be on a weekend, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can only imagine it may be the same type of audience. Let's turn back the clock very quickly. Remember the times when you and I did the Sports Time Ohio games for Ash University football and basketball? I can't forget them. They show the games a ton, but they did have a slot at times. That was like 1.30 in the morning. I think <laughs> yeah. that's when we had our biggest audience, if uh, I'm well, not mistaken. Yeah. If that's who we cater to, the drunken high. Well, that's one way to look at it, certainly. Yes. Speaking of drunken high, how about some Facebook likes for this week? Great Lisa Osborne, Greg Kale, Ken Dworznik Sr. Oh, my. Look out. Heather. Look out. <laughs> Seniors listening. Now we're definitely in trouble. Look out. Heather Rushmore. Ray Hype, Georgia Kaufman, and Tom Russo. Thanks to those folks and everybody else who has hopped on to the Facebook page and given us a thumbs up. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Outstanding. That's great. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Ted, what do we got from this week? What did you run into? 
<laughs> you always got a story, my friend. I'm ready. Here we go. <laughs> so if you recall last week, I had a little little minivan trouble. We okay. shut down on the side of the road. Yeah. So well, I think did I, you say your wife just drove by and waved? Is that what you well, said? So she she actually stopped. Yeah. That's nice. My my kids blamed me. They said, "What what did you do to the car, Daddy?" But anyhow, we got it towed to the fix it shop. And you know, when the car slowly shuts off like that, there's one thing that you generally think might be the problem: the alternator. Oh, that is not a cheap fix. Big money. Big. Money. However. We've already replaced the alternator on this car. Oh, in fact, there's a sub story. Two or three years ago, my wife is driving to Florida with her mom and our kids. I was in a separate van for work. The alternator on that vehicle died on the way. Oh, so they had to stop and spend, I don't know, six hours in a service area waiting room with three small children while the alternator was replaced. Oh, that's, that is brutal. So this time around, it was the alternator again. However, because we just replaced it two, three years ago, all we had to pay was $50 for the alternator. The dealership took care of the rest and we just had to pay for the labor. So about $215 and we were all set. That's not so, bad. So, that oh, is there's not more. bad. Oh, okay. Oh, there, oh, oh there's more. Oh, okay. So, I got the vehicle back last Thursday, drove it to baseball, pulled into the parking lot, got out, set up my chair, headed back to the vehicle to get some snacks or water or something. Uh, the front driver's side tire was low, noticeably okay. low. Oh. And oh boy. I located my wife who had driven in a separate vehicle and she said, oh, could you go back over? I think something else is in your car. I went back over. Tire was flat. Oh boy. Tire was flat. Flat as a pancake. Flat. Oh, flat, flat, flat. So not good. Got to fix the tire. So the game's going on. Once the game was just about over, pulled the jack out. Pulled the wrench out. This is a Volkswagen Rutan. Not to okay. throw them under the bus, but what the heck. 2011. Okay. Got it up on the jack, no problem. I am trying to get the lug nuts off. I can't get any of them to turn. The game ends. Some nice people near the area. Hey, do you need some help? We must have had three or four people, guys, most of them, not shockingly, stronger than me, could not get the lug nuts to turn. We decided to call AAA. After calling AAA, a gentleman walked by and said, I have just the tool. I'll run home. I just live a block away. I'll be back. I'll get here before AAA. He goes home, gets a bunch of tools, comes back, can't get the really? lug nuts off. So eventually, AAA guy shows up, and he's got – one of those X's or cross things. Yep. It's got a few yep. yep. He tries it. Can't get it off. Really? So he called radios in. They send another tow truck out. And by oh, this what? time, <laughs> this starts at like 8 o'clock. Oh, 
So now it's well past 10. Oh, Lordy. Another guy eventually comes. You know, you got to wait for the different tow truck guys. Second tow truck guy comes, and he has the, the air gun thing. That thing. You know what I'm uh, talking about? Yep. I know that noise well. What was the noise yes. that you had last week? Eee! Yeah, well, eee! I got... Yep. That's my noise for this week. So he gets oh, four God. of the five lug nuts off. Guess what happens to the fifth? Does it come off? I needed a fifth at that point. Oh. So he couldn't get it off. He takes a screwdriver, flathead, and he's pounding on it to try to get it to spin. Cannot get it to come off. Put the other lug nuts back down, loaded it onto the flatbed. Oh, gosh. My father-in-law said, bring it home. I'll see what I can do with it. Get it home. Next day, he takes a look at it. He says, I think the best thing for us to do is to take it up a couple blocks from us. There's a, a tire place. We pumped the tire quite full of air, dropped it off. They took a look at it and called the guy. And he said, yeah, we had a little trouble getting that lug nut off too, but we were able to do it. Those lug nuts, they're caps with crummy lug nuts underneath. So I put real lug nuts on your tires. And while we were fixing the driver's side front oh, tire, no. we had it up and noticed that the passenger side front tire also had a, had a nail in it. And he said, <laughs> I didn't think you'd want to come Tuesday. back. Yeah, I didn't think you'd want to come back again. So we went ahead and fixed that too. I said, thank oh, you boy. very much. $79 for two fixed tires and some lug nuts. Not, not complaining about the price at all. I think they did a fine no. job. So there's your minivan update. That's the fun times of owning a vehicle. Yep. At some point in time, something's going to go. For you, some tires and some lug nuts. Little did you know. I cannot believe that many tow truck drivers came and couldn't get that lug nut off. That's crazy. They, what is that? What's that blaster they have? Nut blaster or whatever? That's what you needed. Perfect. Well, it. I had a very low-key weekend. Okay. But I did have the opportunity to go on social media, which I really enjoy. Yeah. I've been on uh, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. and also Instagram. Okay. As well. But I have recently found a new site for myself called TikTok. Yeah. This is for the younger children, but there's some funny stuff on there. And I actually found a song. Yeah done by a teacher that I think you'll find very fitting at this time. A song, it's like a music teacher? Yes. It's kind of the theme of what we're dealing with right now with teachers going back to school and all that stuff. I would say it's a very good theme for the way things are right now. That's how I describe it. Hey, so as some of you guys might know, I'm a music teacher and I found that one of the best ways that I can process the whole transition to online learning and teaching is to write a song. So I wrote a song. I'd like to share that with you guys now. Here we go. (laughs) Isn't that outstanding? I thought that was really good. I love it. I think that sums it up. I had to listen to that about seven or eight times. I think it's outstanding. That is tremendous. I think that's how a lot of teachers feel. Or, teachers, oh. everybody. That is our theme song right now. Ah! Right. That's it. Yeah. So. Well, do you know what starts this week, Ken? Another week in July? 
Oh, no. Try baseball. Baseball is back, baby. And so to celebrate, we have a tremendous guest. We have the original public address announcer from Jacobs Field, Mark Tromba. He hopefully will have some tremendous stories for us. Uh, He's got one about Albert Bell that I'm hoping we'll get him to share that is just outstanding. So we will talk to him. We will review the week in Cleveland history. Our game time segment this week, we will play Who Am I? Hopefully with Mr. Tromba. We will also have some misspeaks of the week. And Ken, you mentioned earlier, people can leave us a voicemail. Some folks already found that button. Later on in the show, you know what we're going to do? We're going to check our voicemail. It is time now for this week's collection of Clops Clips, where we take a look at some of the newsworthy, uh, perhaps mishaps, that have occurred during the last week. Some notable things that perhaps you might not have heard. These aren't necessarily news headlines, but they're things that we believe you should know about. We'll begin in Cleveland Heights, where a man suffered a gunshot wound to his hand. Police investigated and apparently were told several tall tales before the victim came clean. Victim said he was at a friend's house and they were on FaceTime with a female friend. The man was apparently holding the phone when his buddy pointed a rifle at the phone and it went off. A bullet went through the phone and hit the victim in the hand. The shooter was kind enough to take his friend to the hospital to have the hole in the hand treated. The shooter had some minor cuts from cell phone glass. He's facing felonious assault charges. If you don't know what to do with the pistol that you're holding, you shouldn't have one. Guns are dangerous. If you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't have one. Oh, my. A Michigan man was lucky when he hit the lottery, actually extra lucky. You see, the man asked the clerk at the Detroit area gas station for a $10 Lucky 7s ticket. The clerk gave him a $20 ticket by mistake. The clerk offered to exchange it, but the man kept it, and it hit for $2 million. Family in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, thought they had water damage following Tropical Storm Faye. Found dark spots on their walls, but the spots were sticky. The sniff test suggested the substance was honey. They contacted a beekeeper who, yep, he confirmed a colony of bees living in the walls of the house. The beekeeper now working on a plan to get the bees out. Oh, that's brutal. You were in trouble. You get the bees in the walls like that. I had a friend who had that issue at their family home. Oh, my gosh. It's it's a lot of work. It's a sticky situation. Every time, twice on Sundays. Staying in Pennsylvania, a botanical garden in the state is celebrating the blooming of a blossom known as the corpse flower. It is a rare and very smelly plant when in bloom. The scent has been compared to rotting meat. Corpse flowers are among the biggest and rarest flowering plants around and go years between blooms. The stench lasts a day or two. The last time this flower bloomed at Longwood Gardens, 1967. When I go home today, I'll bring some flowers to my fiance. I'll bring her the corpse flower. And I know it's going to go over well when it smells like rotting meat. Yeah. Nothing says I love you 
like rotting meat. Rotting meat. You can tell Amazing. us how that goes next week. I know. So you want to guess how it's going to go right now? How that'll go? Already know. Okay. Unneeded. Devlin rotting Robinson, meat. a Republican running for Pennsylvania's 37th district Senate seat, recently spotted a wallet in the middle of a road and stopped to investigate. When he opened the wallet, he found that it belongs to Pam Iovino. Pam is the Democrat incumbent for the 37th district Senate seat. Devlin returned the wallet to Pam and noted on a Facebook post that sometimes it's great to put politics aside. That is a nice story. That's a very nice story. Two people running for the same seat and you go above board and do what's right. That's nice. There you go. for Devlin. I'm, I'm happy with that. I vote for him. Canadian newlyweds Laura and Jordan DeVries were taking wedding pictures at the end of a dock when Laura told Jordan, quote, Babe, give me a dip. He wasn't really ready, but he did. You want to guess what happened? Yep. They went in the water? They both tumbled into the water. Laura said she wanted to do a romantic dance move like you see on Dancing with the Stars. The photographer caught the entire thing. The couple dried off as best they could and headed into the reception, laughing it off. Like when you said... Babe, give me a dip. I thought maybe she said, you know, she was looking for some tobacco. <laughs> she's a little fix after the wedding. She's like, this I'm not is, sure if this I is to Canada. Do this I don't think that's Put that where dip that... in there. Yeah. Hey, a UK woman got a surprising smirk from her mailman when he delivered her a package. She met him at the door to get the package. Saw the look on his face and was immediately embarrassed. See, she ordered a uh, <clears throat> toy. Oh boy. With product delivery details, claiming to make discretion a primary consideration unfortunately for her the name of said item was right above the barcode that the postman had to scan when he made the delivery mother of three says she can't look at the postman in the eye anymore when he makes deliveries we need to have postmen mailmen and delivery men tell stories that could be a podcast right there an adult store in vegas robbed last week when a masked man stole a three-foot-tall, 40-pound <clears throat> item. An employee says the item is legit and not just for display. It retails for $1,250. If police catch the guy, he will likely be subject to several charges from the penal code. Ah, oh boy. Knew that was coming. I knew it. Too many years of this. New was coming. It's the same joke for 20 years. Same yep. thing. Same joke. Love it. A dog living in Kansas disappeared from her home and then was found in Missouri about 50 miles away a week later. The dog named Cleo actually turned up at the house she used to live in until her owners moved with her to Kansas about two years ago. A boy living in the old home checked her microchip and contacted her owners. No one can figure out why or how Cleo made the journey. She would have had to cross at least one river. That's unbelievable. I've heard of stories like this in the past with dogs, you know, going to their old home and all that. Kind of, 50 miles away. Wow, that's that's an unbelievable story. And finally, congratulations to May Lee of California. The state employee is the longest tenured employee with the state. She's celebrating her 77th year of working for the government and her 100th birthday. 
She's a financial analyst who prefers to work on her budgets with pencil and paper. She says she has no plans to retire. Wow, God bless her. 77 years of working. Well, that is this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Blah 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 blah. Our guest this week is the first public address announcer for the Indians at Jacobs Field. He was the public address announcer from 1994 to 1997. Let's talk with Mark Tromba. Mark, thanks for your time. You're no longer in the Cleveland area, down in Texas, but let's talk. Let's go back to when you first started with the Indians and maybe what was your background prior to becoming the PA announcer at Jacobs Field? Well, I went to Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania and took up communications, did quite a few college basketball and college football games on the basketball side, both men and women. So my first radio job was at a little radio station in Ambridge, Pennsylvania, outside Pittsburgh. And then I spent a year there doing high school sports and then moved over to WELW in Willoughby. And I was there for five years and was sports director. And um, all together, probably did about 700 play-by-play events, whether it be high school football, basketball, did some baseball. And then uh, one day, my dad told me, a few people told me, said, hey, you know, they're looking for an announcer when they open the new ballpark. So threw my name in the hopper, made a little cassette tape. Yep. For those people that don't know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> so I threw the cassette tape together and threw it down to Jacobs Field. And I think they had 150 applicants and narrowed it down to maybe 10. I got to go down there before the seats were even in to announce a few things. And then they called me back for the, as a finalist. And lo and behold, a couple days before opening day, they said, go get a tuxedo. Wow. You were hired just a couple days before the opener in 1994. Yeah, it was probably, I would say five days before because wow. they played the Pirates in an exhibition. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, opening day, uh, which was against the Mariners. And they said, go get a tuxedo. You're going to be on the field introducing President Clinton. Wow. Okay. That's wow. 
So, Mark, obviously, what a job that would be at that point in time. 94, you know, we're, you're getting to a point where the Indians were, were going to be really, really good. Besides being the PA announcer, what was your day job? At the time, I was still working in radio, and then I got into sales, which I am a, a vice president of sales out here in Texas uh, today for performance food service, but I started selling home improvements. So I would do that during the course of the day. And then about 4.30, I would head down to the ballpark. You'd have to be there about two and a half hours before game time, get everything situated. And then, you know, you'd announce the ball game and go home and kind of you'd be on a kind of on a high just from being around the game. And usually they were pretty good games back then and a while to go back to sleep. But yeah, full-time job was selling during the day. Mm, wow. Well, you mentioned that first game the exhibition game against the Pirates, and then opening day against the Mariners. I know I was there. I think, Ken, you, you were were you at the first game at the ballpark as well? I was not. My dad okay. was, but I remember okay. watching it on TV. All right. yeah. Well, it seems like anybody you talked to in Cleveland, it seemed like there might have been a couple million people at that game. But <laughs> nonetheless, what was that uh, process like of doing those first couple games? So the first game, that morning, you know, they scheduled, they said, Tromba, go down to Channel 3. You could be on the morning show with Del Donahue. Kick off the opening day and all that. So I go down there. I'm on the set with them, do some sports, talk about the Indians. And I used to start drinking nice tea just to keep the, the cords a little warm leading up to the game, right? So uh, get to the ballpark extra early, got my tuxedo on, go down in the field. I announced the starting lineups from behind home plate. Dick Jacobs is down there, Mayor White. The whole city of Cleveland's watching, and you're standing there in front of 43,000 people. So all along from that early time in the morning, I'm drinking this tea. And so we get into the ball game, and we finally settle in. Here it is, third inning. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, excuse me, where's the restroom? (laughs) uh, They said, oh, I'm so sorry, there's not one on this level. Now, you only And then a minute 30 to a minute and 50 seconds in between innings. So that ain't going to work. So all along during the course of the game, I'm still sipping that iced tea. Well, here we go into the eighth inning. And I think we go ahead and tie it up. And then, of course, it went extra innings. I was to the point where I was about to jump out of the window of the (laughs) public address announcer's booth if Wayne Kirby didn't single that run home in that game one. So I was in a really tough situation, but thank you, Wayne Kirby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I seem to recall at that game, it seemed like the the public address announcer uh, ended ended his uh, announcing awfully quick at the end of that home opener. Now I guess I know why. (laughs) Yeah, well, if he didn't get that hit, there would have been dead air. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, a lot Um, of people certainly understand what a public address announcer does talk about some of the prep work you would have to do before games you know that was that was some of the the best work and and it was certainly a fun thing to do so at the beginning of a a series so let's say the Milwaukee Brewers were in town I would take the roster on that first game and I would go down in the field as the Brewers would be taking batting practice and I'd try to find somebody down there whether it be media relations or coach or I'd go into the dugout, and there I met some really interesting people. So, for instance, you know, I would just say, hey, I'm Mark Trump of the PA announcer. I'd like to go through some pronunciations. 
and I would write down the pronunciations, make sure I had that all buttoned up, and then I would head back up to the booth and get ready, you know, put the starting lineups together. But in the course of talking to some of the opposing team's personnel, you, you got to meet some great people, like with the Brewers. Guess who went through the pronunciations? Just a bit outside. Bob. Oh, my gosh. Holy yeah, cow, the youth, that's he awesome. Was, he was like in a leisure suit, uh, like you would – and I said, Mr. Euchre, so sorry to bother you. Ah, no problem, Mark. You know, he would give me one of those, and then you know, he'd give me the starting lineups. Then I sat in the dugout with the Tigers dugout, and it was just me and Sparky Anderson. Oh, he told my gosh. For a second, let's, let's chat a little bit. You know, Sparky Anderson, I mean, so I got to meet some great people, Hall of Famers, just, you know, trying to go through the pronunciations. They were very gracious. That's wow. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, when you got the job and you're doing this on a night in, night out basis, were you given any specific instruction or direction, say things this way, don't say them that way, or did they kind of let you, I don't know, figure it out on your own? How did that work? Yeah, for the most part, they let me do what I wanted to do, but there was some guidance because in between innings, you'd have announcements, commercials, you'd have to introduce videos on the Jumbotron, you'd have to do all that stuff. And then the umpires were very, uh, some of them were very fun to be around and some of them were not very fun to be around because while I went down to the field before the games to talk about, you know, the opposing teams and the starting lineups and get the pronunciations, I also had to go into the umpire's room and you had to talk to those folks and they would say, Hey, if anybody runs on the field, we're going to point to you and you're going to, you make sure you, you read the announcement and blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, um, you know, no problem. But then there was, there was some jokers. Like, I don't know if you remember Tim Cheetah. He was an umpire and I think he was from Ohio. We used to do this pop fly contest on Friday nights. A couple of fans would go out in the outfield and they'd have to catch these pop flies off a jugs machine and whoever caught all three, they won a prize or whatever. And so then I would have to go, after that was done, it was time for the starting lineups and the national anthem. Well, I couldn't make it upstairs by then, so they had a microphone behind home plate when you go into that little door where the ground screw comes in. So I would go down there and announce the starting lineup. Then I would head up to the, to the booth. Well, as I was reading the no smoking read, you know, I was saying, you know, no smoking, this is a non-smoking facility here at Jacobs Field. And as I'm saying that, there is a billow of s cigar smoke being blown right in my face. And who is it? Tim Cheetah lit up a stogie. And he was blowing smoke all in the back of the uh, – and I, and I almost lost it. But he, he was character. So you kind of talked about this a little bit, obviously, some of the feedback. Did you ever have an Indians player or a coach come up to you and say, hey – can you say my name this way or any, any other type of stories with individual Indians players that you dealt with, with, with anything with announcing? Yeah, we threw Albert Bell into a tirade. <laughs> I know that's shocking to hear. <laughs> so in our booth was myself and then behind me was the sound guys and the music guy. And we had a group of people that did, you know, all kind of different functions. The, the, all the video, the audio was in, it was like a little television station. And so Daryl Scott would go down in the field and, and talk to the, the players uh, before the game. What's, what song did you want as your walk-up song? Albert wouldn't tell him anything. So this was, 
I think the first or second year. So when I introduced them, they played Hell's Bells and then Albert grounded out. He would just walk and delay the game. He'd walk right across the field at a snail's pace, get across the field, he'd go into the dugout, throw his helmet, throw his bat. Next time he comes up, we did it again. We played Hell's Bells and then he popped up. Again, he walks from first base back to the third base dugout. You know, he's irritated, throws his helmet, throws his bat. The next time we just played the bells ringing, he uh, grounds out again, comes back to the dugout, throws his helmet, his bat. Now, the, vi the video guys have the camera on him so we can see what he's doing. He goes up to the phone in the dugout, picks it up, is screaming into the phone, takes the phone and he's banging it against the wall. And we're like, what is he doing? The phone rings up in the scoreboard room. And here, Albert was so irritated with us for not just giving him silence after I introduced him, for playing Hell's Bells and just ringing the bells. He picked up the phone and what he thought he was calling us, he called the Terrace Club. And so <laughs> the waiter picked up the phone and just got a tongue lashing. <laughs> that's a great story oh my gosh that's hilarious that's yeah. tremendous yeah. so 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 did you did you give him the silent treatment after that yeah after that we were told no more music yeah no sound effects yeah <laughs> say his name names only so you got to do two world series and an all-star game in your time with the indians aside from these tremendous ga games, these tremendous teams that you got to see, is there any one specific game or moment as the PA announcer that you look back on as the single highlight of your time as the public address announcer? Well, you know, I mean, obviously the World Series, the All-Star Game sticks out, the clinching of the division, the first one in, you know, however many years it was. But the one, one of my favorite moments was – Here's an Albert Bell story again. <laughs> we were losing, I think, by two or three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Lee Smith was the premier closer in all of baseball. He's coming up there throwing fire. We have the bases loaded with two outs. And Albert's up. He falls down in the count 0-2, and, and it didn't look good. Then he started fouling some pitches off, and then he just smashed one straightaway center field into the uh, Davy tree picnic area. It went over or into a tree out there. And that place is probably the loudest I've ever heard Jacobs field. The place was bouncing. People were jumping on my back in the booth. We knocked the microphone. Thank goodness it was connected to a cord. It went out the window. We had to grab the cord and pull the microphone back into the booth. We were going bananas, but the place erupted. And I mean, it erupted. It's unreal. Do you still do any PA announcing now that you're down in Texas? No, you know what? I just moved down here to Texas. So my two daughters were in the marching band at Madison High School out in Lake County. And uh, since I was going to be at the games home and away anyhow, they asked me to do the PA announcing for the Madison Blue Streaks. And I've done that. Uh, it's been probably about 10 or 12 years in a row, I've done the PA for the football side. And then since moving down here, I just arrived here at the end of January and I haven't seen football yet, nor have I seen any sports. Uh, <laughs> so 
I'm not sure. Maybe if there's an opportunity to whether do a PA or a play-by-play or something down the road, because we're we're empty nesters now down here in Texas, so might have a few extra minutes on our hands. You got some time. I understand that. Uh, so we talked about great memories, Mark. Really, some outstanding stories. Do you have a favorite player from the Indians? Probably the classiest guy. Um, the person I, I really respected the most was Sandy Alomar. Hmm. Uh, what a classy guy, just on and off the field. You know, and I hung out with him on the field down in training camps down in Florida. Just a super, super nice guy. If people heard you speaking between 94 and 97 or shortly after, and they recognized your voice, was there any certain name that they'd say, hey, could you please announce this player for me here right in front of me right now? Did, they, did people ever do that to you? Bayerga. That was the one. And Omar and Albert Bell, probably the three most. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my favorite was when you when when the second baseman came to the plate. That was my uh, that was the one I enjoyed the most. Yep. That was funny because when he got traded, his bodyguard guy came up to me and said, "Hey, Carlos wants you to announce his name, but we need to record it so we could play it." You know when he got traded to the Mets, and I said, "What? No, you know that they wouldn't go for that." So I, I didn't do that, but. It was quite entertaining because, I mean, just think of that lineup. I mean, you had Manny Ramirez hitting seventh. Yeah. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, Mark, thank you so much for the memories. Uh, hope you don't mind sticking around. We're going to play uh, Who Am I? And we'll see. Uh, Ken has some, some clues. And we'll see which of us, you or me, will be able to identify, if either of us can identify, this Cleveland person, place, or thing. Yeah, what are the Vegas odds on this one? Slim and none. Yes. Slim and none. Yeah, I'm probably none. But yes, I'll stick around. Time now for our misspeaks of the week. We begin with presumptive Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden doing an interview with a local TV station in the state, the state of Arizona. Arizona is very much in play in 2020, so we appreciate you taking some time to talk to the people of our state. Oh, you're, it's an important city. Arizona became the 48th state in the union on February 14, 1912. Over on the Republican side, President Donald Trump spoke in the Rose Garden about a number of topics, including bridge repairs across the country. Tens of thousands of bridges are in disrepair and on the verge of collapse. Well, it's probably not a right number, but... A quick Google search shows that a report from April 13th of this year by the American Road and Transportation Builders Association states that the number of bridges needing to be repaired or replaced in the U.S is about 230,000. Those are the misspeaks of the week. This Week in Cleveland History. Ted, it's time for This Week in Cleveland History. I ask you this every week. I want an answer. I want your truth. Are you ready? As ready as I will ever be. You're a liar. 
July 22nd, 1796. Do you remember that year, Ted? Oh, like it was yesterday. Today is the 224th birthday of the city of Cleveland. Happy Celebration. The city was founded by General Moses Cleveland and originally was spelled C-L-E-A-V-E-L-A-N-D until a newspaper editor said the name was too long to fit on the page, so the A was dropped. Did you, did you know this? I didn't know. I, didn't I know knew it used to be spelled with an A. I had no idea why. Dropped the a. it because it was too many letters. Too many letters. A, you're out. Yeah. Get him out. Too long. Come on, man. Can't we have something better than that? That's, this is the best we got. I guess. Just drop the A because it's too long. Okay. Yep. All right. July 24th, 1911. League Park hosts the first unofficial Major League All-Star game. Mm. The Cleveland Naps lose to the All-Stars 5-3. to mm. Here's a little history question for you. Okay. Who were the Cleveland Naps named after? Nap LaJoy. Excellent. Excellent answer. Was probably one of the best baseball players during that time, period. I mean, he was right up there with Ty Cobb, Tris Speaker, all those guys. He was amazing. Absolutely. First unofficial Major League All-Star game. July 27th, 1884, the East Cleveland Street Railway Company begins the first U.S. commercial electric streetcar line in Cleveland. Hmm. How about that? My great-great-grandfather was a railway driver. Hmm. Can you believe that? So wow. Hey, so he drove railway cars? He did, yes. Wow. Yes. Well, that's interesting. You know, San Francisco, known for the streetcars, started here in the Cleveland area. Started in the Cleveland area. July 27th, 1980. WWE wrestler Dolph Ziggler was born. Hmm. How about that? How about that? What is the top thing that you can think of when you think of Dolph Ziggler? He is a multi-time champion, and he went to school at St. Ed's. He went to St. Ed's. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, a little trivia there for you. July 28th, 1994. The last steel beam is put in place at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ted, do you remember or did you cover... Any stories of the Rock Hall when you were at WTAM? Yeah, I covered the first year that they in, had the inductions in Cleveland. I was on the red carpet, so to speak, and we got to holler questions at the people as they came in. And That's awesome. Was, Who was inducted? Who, do you remember some of the people inducted? Oh, ACDC was inducted. That was the oh, day with the headliners. Awesome. And it was interesting because, you know, they had it at Public Hall, the, the public hall was totally locked down. You couldn't walk into the main area of public hall without a ticket. They had security as wow. tight as I've ever seen it. So the media, like, I thought, maybe I'll go in and take a couple pictures for our website. Not a chance. They didn't want any media, no photography, nothing except for the broadcast of the event. And so after the red carpet, all of the media was taken over to, I think it's called the Little Theater, actually. I don't know if, how much people know about this, but Public Hall here in Cleveland, there are actually two or three small theaters adjacent to it in the same building. I did not know this. They, they kind of, the stages are kind of back to back. 
And so the show would go on and we had TVs in there. We would watch the induction and then whomever was inducted would come around and get on a microphone and do a little press conference with the 50 or so gathered media, the local folks, and then the musical media that were there. And I do remember ACDC getting inducted and they came back and they answered one question and then they walked off, which I guess they're known for not talking to the media much. And the musician media that were in attendance were in an uproar because they wouldn't speak more than they did. Wow. This was a big deal. Yeah. So, but they didn't care. Huh. They, they left. They're ACDC. They don't care. So that's my brush with musical greatness in the form of ACDC. Outstanding. Yeah. Ted, that was this week in Cleveland history. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. Well, Ted, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we did have a few people that decided to leave us some messages through voicemail. Mm-hmm. Kind of asked us a couple of questions about some different topics, if it's pertaining to Cleveland or anything on the show. So I'm interested to hear what these voicemails are. We'll do our best to answer them, and uh, we'll see what we got here. All right, here we go. Let's get to the first one here. Hello, Kenny and Ted. This is Brian from Medina. Quickly, just want to say, uh, love the show. Keep up the good work. Um, my question to you is, I'm in the craft beer scene, but since you guys are extremely connected in the Cleveland area, I'd like to know what your top five breweries are. Looking for top five breweries in Cleveland. Okay. This gentleman mistakenly thinks that I'm connected to craft breweries. <laughs> you've, had a, <laughs> you've had a beer before. We did. Yeah, I, I have beer. had a beer before, so does that make me connected? I've made you drink a beer. Yes. I know that. Yes. Let's answer it this way. So there's a lot of breweries in the whole area. Mm -hmm. Obviously, one of our guests earlier for one of our early episodes was Aaron Wirtz of uh, Planet Flag in Medina. I think his beer is outstanding. Obviously, we have Fatheads. That's in Middleburg Heights. Derek Wilson, who's an Ashland grad, he's involved with the Middleburg Heights as well as the North Olmstead stores. So those are great breweries, in my opinion. But if we're going to talk Cleveland breweries... Okay, number one, the original, the one that kind of put everything on the map. They've done great stuff for a long time, Great Lakes. Their stuff's really good. Okay, they got the Christmas sale all the time. Oh, my gosh. Their stuff is just unreal. They have everything. And then, obviously, pre-COVID, and obviously, I think now you can go down there, too, and social distance. But their tap room down below, it's unbelievable. It's really cool. I think their beer is very good. There's one very close to a place that you and I know very well, Noble Beast. I've been very impressed with their stuff. I like stouts, so I'm very partial to that. And they have some very good stouts and some good pilsners. They're, they have very good IPAs. I think they're very good. We're so spoiled, so this is also tough to answer. I mean, Saucy Brew Works is very good. Platform is very good. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to miss a couple different ones here off the top of my head. What about Winking Lizard? Well, they have beer, but they're not craft beer because they're not making their own what is what difference does that make well they, they're looking the, i think the person that's asking you the question is asking for places that are making their Just own because they're Nothing asking the question doesn't lizard. mean i, I like to... winking lizard i like winking lizard yeah 
But what about the Hofbrauhaus? What is the one down the street? Hofbrauhaus. Actually, I think they actually make some of their own beer. There so you they go. would be in the mix. Is there a reason you like the Hofbrauhaus? Or do yeah, you, it's German. I'm German. Come on. You're German? Yeah. Good. You know what you call an angry German? You're going to tell me. Sauerkraut. I think the other good brewery here in Cleveland, in my opinion, and there's so many good ones, I think Masthead is excellent as well. They always have some different beers. That's a great place to go to. I mean, they also have some very good food. Forest City is very good over by the Duck Island Club. That's a great place too. But that's a tough answer. You put us on the spot. You only ask for five. There's just too many. We're very spoiled here in the Cleveland area when it comes to craft breweries. So what about sure BW3s? They have beer. But once again, you can get a craft beer there, but they're not making See? craft beer. Well, what difference does that make? Just throwing out random restaurants and bars. <laughs> What's the next one you're going to tell me? Hey, how about good old days in Parma? Which is yeah, well, you know, yep. Johnny's on the corner. What about that? Yep. What about Cleats? Cleats, yeah. Pat Summerall had the greatest commercial ever for that. Do you know where Cleats is? You're going to tell me. Cleats is at the corner of State and Wallings Road. Cleats has great wings. And Cleats did not buy any advertising on our show. All right. Did I mention the wings? Did I mention the wings? Should we go yeah, to the next those are, our, those are our breweries. I think those okay. are the best ones. There's so many out there, but if I was going to say five, I would, I would mention the ones that we said. But obviously, everyone's going to have a, a different choice. But we are very blessed in Cleveland with our breweries. Do you have any more voicemails? I have one. There's one more voicemail. It's marked here, Tony from Parma. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. So what I'd like to know is, no matter what the actual name of the Cleveland MLB team is, does that affect how you watch them? Doesn't matter if it's the Indians, the Buckeyes, the Spiders. Does it really affect how you watch the game? I mean, it's still our it's still our team, and still the goal of. I mean, here's the thing: we only have one MLB team up in Cleveland. So does that affect how you watch them? So this pertains to. The name of the next Cleveland team, I guess, is what the question well, if, is. I, I think what we're being asked here is if they rename the team, will it change how we watch? And my answer is no. Oh. I will continue to watch on my television. I will watch on the television. Mm -hmm. I will watch on a phone. Mm -hmm. I will watch through a TV camera if needed. I might even go down there and buy a ticket once in a while. I, they sell them. I don't know. I this whole thing, I, I, I don't, we're not going to turn this political today. First and foremost, okay, if you're going to rename this team, which I understand why they want to do it and all that stuff, if you name them the Spiders, okay, I don't know if I go with that. Do you know the baseball team that had the worst record in the history of baseball? Do you know what uh, team that was? Might be the Spiders. The Cleveland Spiders from 1899. Do you know what their record was? 20 and 134. 20 and 134. No, find another name. We got to find something better than that. Well, what name would you like to give them? Maybe just the name of a person, like the Browns uh, did. How about the Cleveland Grovers? The Cleveland Teds. Not well. The Cleveland Kens. I don't know. I, I don't know if I, you know, are we going to name it after an animal? What animal Cleveland, would you go with? Them? The rhinos? Cleveland buzzards. Ooh. Then you can have the logo from uh, WMMS. There yeah. you go. Yeah. The buzzard morning zoo. That's right. You could have uh, like Ed, Ed Flash Ference and Jeff Ginsbach yep. come and throw the first pitch out. Yeah. I like that. 
Yeah. So th- this this whole name change doesn't bother you. You're good with it. I'd prefer they didn't, but the marketing guy in me is thinking, "Holy yes. cow! Can you imagine what we could do?" And the branding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's why I think when they do this, it's not going to be till late to 2021. I mean, it's not going to be now. I mean, it's, right. it's not happening. They can make they're going to make some good money off this. That, this would be a the brand and all this stuff. Yeah. Tremendous yep. cash infusion yep. for them because everybody's going to have to buy the new stuff. Is there any chance we could do a, a package deal so that they could also do this for the Browns as well? Any chance? Well, what do you got against the Browns? Well, I have nothing against the Browns. But once again, we're named after a person, and our logo is an orange helmet. Well, what did the orange helmet ever do to you? Nothing. Okay. I watched Miles Garrett swinging around. Yeah. a quarterback on a head. I did see that. Yeah. No, I just, once again, you want to talk about... So you about, want a logo on the, uh, for the Browns? I would like some sort of logo. Why don't we bring back the uh, elf? The elf is fine. I could dress up as the elf. I'm about the size of him. So I'm kind of fat, though, so that's probably not going to work. I'm, uh, you're, you're size-wise good vertically, horizontally too big. Uh-huh. No, we need, we need a smaller person. Okay. That's my two cents, but no, I I, th- I think the uh, it'd be a great opportunity for the Cleveland Indians, in all seriousness, the Cleveland organization to rebrand and get a new name out there and get a lot of publicity and, and all that. So, great question. I think we'll both still watch. I think we'll continue to support the Cleveland team because at the end of the day, that is our team, and that's the only baseball team we have here in Cleveland. Now, if you'd like to ask us a question, we can check the voicemail and play your your question. Go to anchor.fm slash 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E. A link with a little uh, plus sign right there is the word message on it. And you can click that, follow the prompts, leave us a message, ask a question. And every so often here on the show, we will check our voicemail. And now, a woman's perspective. I feel like water is supposed to solve all problems. Want to lose weight? Drink water. Want to clean your face? Use water. Tired of your man? Drown him. This has been A Woman's Perspective. Now it's time for the Who Am I segment. And we have Mr. Ted Klopp. And joining us as well is Mark Tromba. Mark, thanks for joining us as well. And once again, enjoyed your stories. And hopefully you can get this famous Cleveland person. We'll see what happens. I'm going to read seven different little statements about this person. And then you guys can guess. And then if you need some multiple choice, I have some multiple choices at the end. Okay? If we need some multiple choice? If you need it. You might get it already. You might get it. I'll need it. Okay, now, we just blur, do we just blurt out if we, let's say on the second clue, do we just blurt it out? Sure. Yes. Go off. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, here we go. Absolutely. All right. First clue. I was born in 1960. Mark in Dramba. Dramba. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I attended St. Ignatius High School. Born in 1960, grew up in Cleveland, attended St. Ignatius High School. That's clue one. Clue two, mm-hmm. I attended West Virginia University and led the Mountaineers. Oliver Luck. To... What's that? Oliver Luck. <laughs> <laughs> Done. 
I couldn't even get to the through the second one. The odds were good, Mark. That is correct. Oliver Luck. Yep. Wow. What were the rest of the clues? What were the rest of the clues? Well, I had uh, he was a second round pick of the Houston Oilers, which people forget, um, and played uh, professional football from uh, 82 to 86. He was a teammate of Warren Moon and Archie Manning. In 1987, coincidentally, he ran for Congress in West Virginia for the second congressional district and lost, and then was a general manager in the World League of American Football, and then named the league president in 1996, and he held that post till 2000. He was a member of the first, I found this very interesting. He was a member of the first college football playoff committee in 2013. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and, and of course, his son played in the NFL for... Absolutely. Um, yep, and then worked in the NCAA in, in 2014. Eventually was a commissioner of another league. And then you mentioned about his son. So, yeah, Mark. Winner. Wow. Wow. Wasn't even I, 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 I was thinking, the, uh, what do I win, Ted? What's the uh, we ha- I have a I have a pair of headphones here that you might recognize from our time together. Yes, at I see that. Do I win the I'll, dead uh, fish I'll, in I'll, the aquarium behind you? Yeah, yeah, I'll send you <laughs> one of them. I don't know if it'll make it or not, but... If my son Mail doesn't pet here. the fish, my son petted one of the fish, and uh, that fish isn't in the aquarium anymore. Mark, that's a story for another day. That's yeah, another right. You're yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I, I got to tell you, I was, when you said Ignatius, I was trying to figure out how old Jack Corrigan or Mike Hegan would have been. Obviously, professional football would have eliminated both of those gentlemen, so I don't know what I would have done. But you got it. As the great Woody Hayes would say, good job, Trombo. (laughs) Anything easy ain't worth a damn. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, uh, try to stay cool down there in Texas. We appreciate your time and some great stories. Uh, Thank you so much. And I hope you haven't hung up the microphone. Hope somebody uh, puts you back on the public address somewhere down there and uh, you keep that voice strong. But don't yeah, drink too football. much iced tea. High school, yeah, I won't do that again. High school football, though, is king down here. So mm-hmm. the size of some of these these high school stadiums, is, it's ridiculous. I mean, some of the attendance, and it's not like you're at the Akron Rubber Bowl or something like that. I mean, some of these things hold 25,000 people. It's crazy. Hopefully we see high school football in the coming months. But Ted and Ken, thank you very much. Anytime. You want to chat about baseball or what's going on in Cleveland sports? Be more than happy to join. Ted, great show today. What a pleasure it was to have Mark Traub on. Some great memories of the 90s Indians. And what an honor it was for him to be the PA announcer. And that guy can tell stories from here until two Sundays from now. Unbelievable. Some great stories. That Albert Bell story. Uh, about the walk-up music. I had heard parts of that, but now we have the whole story. That is just great. And I could see that. Albert would get escalated. I think that's the best way to say it. Escalated is one way to describe it. There's no doubt about that. Ted, big week coming up. Anything going up for you? We are excited. This is our last week for baseball, and then there's playoffs, so we're excited about that. And we just got word that our hockey season is expected to start on time. Yes. So we, will have, we will have tryouts in mid-August, and we'll see how that goes. My Check other em. goal for the week is to not encounter any minivan problems. Yeah, can we do that? 
Two yeah. weeks in a row, we got van stories. How about nothing this week, huh? Okay. I'm, we I'm have to start riding that. the bike. Biking. Maybe, maybe that's what I need to do. The bike. Very cool. I'm, Are you going to uh, play golf this week? I will, but actually my son, it's very exciting. My son has taken some golf lessons, actually, from uh, Brad Cavey, and he is now going to start playing matches, and they're doing a scramble. So he's playing a couple different courses this weekend. I'm excited to watch him play. So we'll see what happens. So, yeah, another Dwarznik on the awesome. golf course. Awesome. All right. This well, one has less steps. Less steps for young Riley than I. He's oh. a little bit better. He's a good player. I'm not. Have you ever seen Dorf on golf? You're talking to him. Boom. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll we'll check in next week and see how the golf goes. There's one thing we need to do before we go, Ken. And what is that? What do we need to tell everyone? Well, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Ted. 